WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning, sunshine this afternoon, high 49. Tonight and overnight, clear, low 30. And then Thursday, sunshine, high 53. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 40 and raining in Muncie up in Rockland County, 39 and cloudy in Bud Lake down in New Jersey, and it is 43 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning gave out, I don't know, 7,000 pieces of candy, it felt like last night. The doorbell uh, ringing all night long. And uh, when I went to go open the bags of candy that my wife had bought to hand out, she had bought Trader Joe's candy. It's <laughs> like, uh, first of all, of course, just being a jerk, I thought, is this more than the Three Musketeers? But essentially, that's kind of what it was. It was Trader Joe's version of Three Musketeers, Milky Way, and something else all into a bag. But it was unbelievable how much candy we went through. And I think see some of the neighbors are buying like 50 pounds of candy. And at some point, you just say, I can't feed everybody that comes by the house because it's just like a thousand kids. And I don't know that that's even an exaggeration. And then here in the city, it was the big Halloween parade. Thank God it went off without a hitch. Very secure in light of what's going on around the world. Uh, but uh, the streets are just packed because it was a beautiful night out for the parade. Tina Turner died this year, and I thought it was best. It was awesome to honor her. So this is me honoring her. What's it like to be here? Are you excited? What are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited because, like, I'm on the news. I love New York City, and if you like creativity, New York City culture, people, this is really the place to go to. Yeah, it was fun to see so many people out. 50th anniversary of the Village Halloween Parade is amazing. It's been around that long. Slender Man. I love Mario. I've been a gamer since um, the age of five. I'm a nun from the movie Renan, and I never went to a dentist. I was walking along with my belly dancer, and out of nowhere, the big bad wolf showed up. Ah! <laughs> okay. Uh, people from all over the world. I really come in is what has become the Halloween parade around the world. In fact, it's shown around the world, and people showed up in big numbers last night. My eighth grade wanted to go out and about, not this year. A little much this year with everything. 10,000 people all wearing masks. Who are they? There's some difficult human beings living in New York City. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, the went out without a hitch, which is great to hear. Uh, there was some violence last night, not too far away from the parade in Midtown. Just still piecing this story together. Five people taken into custody after a man was shot. Very busy part of Midtown Manhattan. This was about 10 o'clock last night, right outside Sardi's on 44th and 8th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen. Police say... A man shot in the shoulder. We don't know why. We don't know who shot him. We do know he's going to be okay. He was rushed to Bellevue Hospital. Uh, more details, I'm sure, will come into the newsroom in the next couple hours. We'll pass them on to you. And then it continues to be a mess, of course, in the Middle East. Israel taking responsibility for an airstrike that the Hamas-run Gaza Interior Ministry claims was on a refugee camp in Gaza. 
The Gaza Interior Ministry said six bombs were dropped on a residential area during the strike that Israeli officials said killed a Hamas leader. The IDF's statement did not acknowledge any civilian casualties that may have been caused by the strike. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. Over 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. On Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. Continues, of course, to be the big story here in the U.S. as well. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the number of Americans killed in the October 7th attack in Israel by Hamas is gone up. It's now up to 36. It was the deadliest terrorist attack in Israel's history. It was cruel hateful and repugnant. A handful of Americans also believed to still be among the more than 200 hostages taken prisoner by Hamas back on October 7th. Austin appeared along to uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken during this congressional hearing yesterday. Hamas terrorists murdered more than 1,400 Israelis and at least 36 Americans and took more than 200 hostages. Austin there to make the case for President Biden's $105 billion request for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the southern border. To help fund America's national security needs and to stand by our partners and to invest in our defense industrial base. And back here in New York yesterday, Israeli diplomats at the United Nations wearing Holocaust-era yellow stars. They say they'll wear those stars that say never again until Security Council there condemns Hamas. So I will remind you, from this day on, each time you look at me, you will remember what staying silent in the face of evil Means. The Nazis, of course, made Jews wear yellow stars during the Holocaust. We will wear this star until you condemn the atrocities of Hamas and demand the immediate release of our hostages. The Israelis continue to condemn and slam the United Nations for inaction. Today, after innocent Jewish babies were burned alive, this council is still silent. All right, let's go back down to Washington at that hearing yesterday. Protesters there calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. They interrupted part of the congressional hearing on the Israel and Ukraine funding. Signed on that war in Iraq that you talked about. That was a terrible thing. And what we're doing right now in supporting Israel's genocide of Gaza is a terrible thing, too. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he was speaking at the time, interrupted several times during his opening statement before the Senate Appropriations Committee. Yeah, so Secretary of State Antony Blinken said he noticed that those protesters were there and likely in the hearing room, so apparently was not surprised by it all. All of us are determined to see it end. But all of us know the imperative of standing up with our allies and partners when their security, when their democracies are threatened. So the fight continues over that $105 billion to support Israel, Ukraine and other security priorities. We'll get more into that story and we'll hear from a family in New Jersey that has lost nine members of their family in Gaza. WABC News Time 509. A New Jersey father mourning the loss of nine relatives in Gaza. The Shaban family says they just found out their family members were killed in a blast. I look at the picture of my brother like burn like I, I tell my son i could feel his pain honestly i could feel his pain so for four generations 
gone in one shot. Central Jersey family says nine of their Palestinian relatives in Gaza were killed in that blast. The oldest, 72. The youngest, just three months old. Atef Shaban's brother was not killed, but was badly burned in that blast. In the hospital, there's no room for him, so they have him just in the hallway on these sort of cardboard boxes. Um, just, you know, there's no anesthesia, there's no nothing, so when they, when they need to operate on you, they just go directly into you with, with no pain relief at all. And so he's not actually fully aware even of what's happened yet. Um, he doesn't. He keeps asking for his wife. The family says their relatives in Gaza now starting to excavate the bodies from the rubble. But the victims say they were so decimated that it's a struggle to find enough of their remains to have something to bury. Sammy Shaban, who's on the Board of Education in Franklin Township, says he's sharing his family's story to put faces to the civilians lost in the war in Gaza. I think it's important for people to understand that what's happening to the Palestinians. October 7th was horrific, right? A horrific day. And our hearts bleed for all innocent citizens. But the, the, the amount of pain that's happened since that day, we've now had over 6,000 lives lost. We need to, to call for a ceasefire. Like, we really need this pain to stop. 511 will bring it back here into the city. Mayor Adams says in all his years as a New Yorker, he's never seen the level of outward hate displayed in the city since the war broke out between Israel and Hamas. We are watching just really an erosion of the decorum, uh, the erosion of who we are as New York. It's one of the most diverse cities on the globe, and hate has no place in our city. It comes as the NYPD sees an uptick in anti-Semitic crimes, with at least 33 reported in the first three weeks of October. Meantime, Mayor Adams says he doesn't agree with the anti-Semitic acts on college campuses, but can't revoke funding for public institutions if they're within their First Amendment rights. But he says he doesn't like it. There are moments we wish that it wasn't there. I'll never forget as, you know, watching the Ku Klux Klan march in our city. I wish we could have stopped them. You know, as a police officer, I had to be there watching my officers protect them. We all have an awesome responsibility uh, to uh, lift up our city during this extremely challenging, challenging time. It appears to me that we have become comfortable with displaying hate. Governor Hochul talking about this as well, addressing anti-Semitism on college campuses. You saw those incidents up at Cornell with death threats. They found the dope who did that. Then uh, uh, Columbia University, some students saying they're hiding the fact that they're Jewish now. The problem didn't begin with the weeks following October 7th attacks. It's been growing on a number of campuses and seen most acutely in the City University of New York. Yes, so Hochul now appointing a judge to conduct a review of CUNY's policies and procedures related to anti-Semitism. Students have long complained about anti-Semitism on those campuses, not just since the Israel-Hamas war. To share our concerns about the consequences of free speech crossing the line into hate speech by both students and professors. Safety and security of New Yorkers cannot and will not be threatened without consequences. And the governor says there is a deep sense of fear from Jewish and Muslim communities in New York since those attacks. And those worries about attacks on people of the Jewish faith hitting close to home. The head of the FBI used a Capitol hearing yesterday to talk about the arrest of a man in Texas. The individual we arrested last week in Houston who'd been studying how to build bombs. Director for Christopher Ray says... The suspect there posting online about his support for killing Jews. He used the case as an example of the threats posed by homegrown extremists. And posted online about his support for killing Jews. 
Yeah, and the head of the FBI says the threat of terrorism in the U.S. has hit a whole other level following Hamas's attack on Israel. The actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. And he says the most immediate concern is that violent extremists will draw inspiration from the conflict there. ISIS urged its followers to target Jewish communities. Hezbollah has publicly expressed its support for Hamas, not just homegrown violent extremists inspired by a foreign terrorist organization, but also domestic violent extremists targeting Jewish or Muslim communities. And this argument going on in Washington about how much and who to fund, the White House calling House Speaker Mike Johnson's proposal to separate Israel funding from Ukraine's aid deeply concerning. There shouldn't be any political games played here with our national security or trying to turn support for Israel's self-defense into some some sort of uh, political football. Yes, so Kirby noted that Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell not siding with Johnson. He supports bundling aid for both countries in the same package. Senator McConnell said himself that... Ukraine and Israel are intertwined and both are serious. The bill pushed by Speaker Johnson includes more than $14 billion in emergency funding for Israel while clawing back the same amount of IRS funding from the Inflation Reduction Act. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer called that proposal inadequate. All right, 520, uh, 515 rather. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Uh, happy Wednesday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Happy Wednesday. Good morning to you, Noam Olayden. We will start on the hardwood here. The Knicks secured their second victory of the young season last night with a 109-91 road win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson led the team in scoring with their 19 respective points each. Up in New York, build the lead they wouldn't squander after the first quarter. Emmanuel quickly added 18 points off the bench, and R.J. Barrett had 16. As the Knicks won the first half of a home-and-home series, it was the team's first meeting since New York eliminated Cleveland in five games in the first round of the 2023 playoffs. The Knicks will return home now as they'll complete the second leg of that back-to-back set against Cleveland tonight at MSG. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. there. The Nets will be back in action as well, getting set to tip off at 7.30 p.m. Two, uh, tonight against the Heat in Miami. On the Diamond in Arizona, the World Series, the riveting World Series, picked up last night. And it was the Texas Rangers pulling out the huge 11-7 win in Game 4. Marcus Simeon's two-run triple and three-run homer powered Texas to a 10-run lead by the third inning. You know, these games aren't fun when they're blowouts like this. I mean, no. I, you know, Arizona came back a little bit and ended up scoring seven runs, but my God, and they're missing, like, the guy, Adelise Garcia, who's hitting all, who's been hitting all the home runs for him, Texas, and they're still winning. Ten, ten run third. I mean, you're going to be kidding me. Nobody wants to watch that. But, did you watch it? No, yeah. I did not. But I didn't watch it from the start, so it's not like I was watching it in anticipation for anything and then got let down, you know? But, uh, I digress. Texas builds that 10-run lead in the third inning. They would not give it up, despite some pushback from the D-backs, despite the absence of Garcia. And now starter Max Scherzer, he's out for the rest of the series as well. Texas takes a three-game, three-games-to-one series lead heading into Game 5 tonight. One to try and finish the job in Arizona. First pitch there is set for 8.03 p.m. tonight as the series remains in Arizona. On the ice, local action took the night off and will again tonight. No local action to look forward to until... Uh, tomorrow. The oh, Rangers, by the way. Yes. 
I was just looking up as you were doing it. Game one yeah. was the least watched World Series game in recorded history. Yeah, I believe it. Game two posted record lows, but not as low as game one. So really, nobody's watching this. Nobody's thing. nobody's yeah. watching this thing. I mean, now you got basketball back and hockey's in full swing. I mean, it's just nobody cares about this World Series. It's really it's really a shame. Uh, I'm sure they got to be uh, they got to have a legitimate gripe in the front offices of Major League Baseball. But what can you do? What's the gripe? These are the two teams. I know, but I, yeah, business-wise, it's not great. So what should they do if they see it's not going to be good? Well, they can't okay, do. They can't, can't play. Well, they can't do anything about it. They but, should just switch you know. out the teams, and make but it like does, the look, Yankees versus the Mets. Right, but that doesn't mean they can't be upset about it. <laughs> of course, they can be upset. Of they course, right? Of course. <laughs> you know, yeah, nobody's watching baseball in general anymore. That's the issue. Exactly. Really. Yeah. It's too cold outside anyway. My God. Go, go to the field. Beach. Yeah, go play golf. Go somewhere else. Anyway, no, I'm not sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 <laughs> WABC. WABC News Time 521. Challenges to keep former President Trump off two states' presidential ballots going to be heard in court this week. A Colorado group believes the former president should be prohibited from running in future elections under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, which bans those who engaged in insurrection from holding elected office without the approval of two-thirds of Congress. The judge is expected to issue a ruling by Thanksgiving. The Minnesota Supreme Court will also hear oral arguments this week in a similar case. I'm Trey Thomas. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand thinks the government could be heading for a shutdown, even though the House has picked a new speaker. The Democrat notes that the chaos leading up to Louisiana Republican Mike Johnson's election and his recent proposals. I'm not optimistic that he wants to govern. And Making sure that we keep the government running is a hallmark of governing. And so I'm a, I'm somewhat concerned. So she says the first bill he offered up undermined bipartisan support of Israel. And so that's why she's worried. It's also a stupid idea. First of all, it does not pay for when you take money away from uh, the oversight of the IRS. What it's doing is costing us more money because less people will pay their taxes. The head of Homeland Security says a shocking number of illegal immigrants crossing the southern border are avoiding law enforcement and then just disappearing into the shadows. I believe that number is over 600,000. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas repeatedly refused to answer questions, asking how many illegal immigrants have ties to known terror groups. He told a Senate hearing yesterday that they take appropriate enforcement action to any national security threats. The phenomenon of gotaways is something that has been a challenge for the Department of Homeland Security. And we have this new data that shows nearly one million illegal immigrants were processed and released by Border Patrol last fiscal year. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas talking about it during a trip to the Texas border with Mexico. The men and women of the Border Patrol are frustrated because they risk their lives apprehending people only to see them let go over and over and over again. Yeah, and that number does not include the number of illegal immigrants who were caught crossing at ports of entry, making it likely that the total number of releases is actually a whole lot higher. Meanwhile, state lawmakers in Texas have been tasked by Governor Abbott to pass new legislation that would confront this surge. There's a very good chance those teenage girls are being taken off to be sex trafficked, to be trapped in forced prostitution. And with the war that is unfolding in Israel, the risk of terrorism in the United States, I believe, today is greater than it has been at any point since 9-11. And, of course, a lot of those migrants, guess where they're coming? Of course, here to New York. A bill that would allow police to arrest and deport migrants has cleared the Texas House heads to the state Senate today. 524. 
down to Washington, D.C., the Biden administration wants to do away with junk fees in retirement savings. Junk fees take real money out of pockets of Americans, and they add up to hundreds of dollars in weighing down family budgets and making it harder to pay the bills. The administration releasing a proposed rule yesterday. It would require any financial advisor or broker who sells retirement investments and advice only to do so in the best interests of clients. So President Biden says the fees can cost retirees billions of dollars annually while there are already rules in place. Some advisors and brokers steer their clients towards certain investments, not because of the best interest of the client, because it means the best payout for the broker. Yes, yeah, so Biden says those blind spots in the current rules that can increase costs and fees for consumers and ultimately take a toll on the overall retirement savings. So the movie says is the latest effort by Biden to address junk fees in a range of industries. Down to Florida, an eighth grade boy pleading not guilty to stabbing his own mother to death in their Miami apartment. His father offering support for his son as the court denied bond yesterday. To put this behind him and say, we have your back. We're here to support you. We gave him values. I spent 22 years in the military, in the U.S. Army, and I showed him those values. 13-year-old Derek Rosa being tried as an adult, first-degree murder charges. Rosa too young to face the death penalty, so if convicted, he could be sentenced to life in prison. His father hopes that doesn't happen. It's hard for us to explain how this occurred. It's difficult, but I guess what we're asking for is another opportunity. It's a second chance to help him grow and become mature as a grown man. 526, the parent company of Bud Light still suffering a bit of a hangover after a controversy that led to a boycott. Globally, revenue and profits at Anheuser-Busch InBev are up, but in the U.S., the beer numbers are worse than flat. Revenue is down 13 percent, domestic profits down 29 percent since a company promotion with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney led to protests. Bud Light did recently announce a new multi-year partnership with the UFC, hoping the MMA League will boost beer sales. I'm Rory O'Neill. All right, lots of bags of candy hanging around your kids' rooms or this morning, or maybe it's your house that you didn't get, get to give away. Dentists say when it comes to our teeth, some of the sugary sweets are worse than others. The real sour ones. The other troublemaker are the candies that are hard and sticky because they're the ones that end up staying around and lingering. Yeah, am I really doing a story about dentists talking about candy being bad for you? Okay, I'm just going to skip the rest of it. That's just stupid. You know, yeah, if you eat a lot of candy, that's not good for your teeth. Gas prices nationwide falling with experts predicting they'll fall even more in the next couple of weeks. The Energy Department says the average price of gas was down six cents in the past week, going to three forty nine a gallon. The dropping price of crude oil is being attributed as the main cause. Three states are under three dollars, with Georgia coming in the lowest at two ninety five a gallon. California leads the country at five twenty nine. I'm Trey Thomas. All right, the opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after October wrapped up as the third straight monthly decline. At the closing bell, though, the Dow gained 123 points. S&P 500 added 26. NASDAQ rose 61 points. October's losses coincide with a rapid rise in Treasury yields and concerns about the Federal Reserve policy going forward. An announcement on a potential interest rate hike is due today. 
It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Rain this morning, sunshine this afternoon, high 49. Tonight, overnight, clear low. 37 and then thursday sunshine high 53 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 40 and raining in muncie up in rockland county 39 and cloudy in bud lake down in new jersey and it is 45 and we'll call it uh, overcast here in the city we'll start this half hour uh up on the upper east side where they've come up with this method to get rid of rats that is working big time this brooklyn exterminator his name is matt diodato he uses an uncommon extermination technique to help fix the rat problem he pumps carbon monoxide into rat holes and sidewalk tree boxes and he says it's a method that's only used by a few exterminators across the city because the machines to do this cost about $3,000 each. But he says the results, they speak for themselves big time. He says for the last year, he's been treating tree boxes and um, where several businesses had complained of rats. And he says the treatments are working and the rats have, well, they've disappeared. This area was over a hundred and something boroughs that we treated. We had, I would average it 90 to 95 percent success. Yeah, councilwoman who represents this Upper East Side neighborhood where they're trying this out said her office did extensive research last year into alternative mitigation techniques and found that carbon monoxide was successfully used in Boston and San Diego. So then she found this guy, uh, what's his name, Dodato, Matt Diodato, and uh, she hired him. She said, hey, let's try doing this and see if it works. And um, the local businesses are paying for it all. And some people in the neighborhood say their interactions with rats which used to happen all the time aren't happening anymore they don't care that's the thing because i've had some up close and personal moments with rats on 86th street and one climbed up my leg (laughs) it was gross i'm sure some animal activists will not like this but that success rate of using these machines he says is 90 to 95 percent success rate so far out to uh jersey city here's another reason not to leave your kid alone in a car So a guy is in Newark yesterday with his uh, three-year-old son, and he's about to pick up some auto parts for his business. And so he leaves the engine running, and he runs into this auto parts store that he goes to all the time. And he thinks this is going to be a quick thing where he buys what he needs and runs back out to the car. And it is. He's only in the store for about three minutes. But in that three minutes, uh, somebody jumps into his car, a woman, and drives off with his three-year-old in the back seat. It's not even a minute. By the time he comes in the driveway, grabs one item, and takes off, goes back out, and the car's gone. Yes, so it started in Newark. Uh, you might have gotten this Amber Alert if you were in New Jersey yesterday. They were looking for this car and this three-year-old child. Thank God they found the car just about, mm, it was about two hours later, in Jersey City. It had been abandoned. And uh, the kid was still in the back seat, and he was fine, thank God. There was a lady cop who was attending the kid. And she was, like, being really nice, and she was kind of, like, sitting down. The kid was fine. The kid seemed fine. He was okay. He was kind of, like, um, like shocked a little bit, maybe. 
Yeah, he's probably shocked that his dad left him alone in the car. The father reunited with his son, and he was checked out at the hospital, and he's okay. That's the way we like these things ending. So far, they have not found the woman who stole his car. As um, migrants continue to pour into this city at a rapid rate, Mayor Adams says everything's on the table. He's been saying this for a while to mitigate this crisis. In a single week this month, 4,000 migrants rolled into Manhattan. When it comes down to the migrant asylum seekers, I cannot uh, elevate the point enough that everything is on the table. Yes, so for months... The city hall has struggled to find emergency housing and money to pay for it all. More recently, the city imposed 30 and 60 day limits for people living in these shelters and then telling them they had to reapply, kicked out and have to reapply if they need to be back in the shelters. The mayor determined, he says right now, to avoid the migrant tent cities on streets and public parts that have happened in other cities. This is because they've run out of room. No child. And no family will sleep on the streets. That is my, uh, really, my number one goal of preventing that from happening. I, I see what's happening in other cities, sleeping in precincts, sleeping on streets, uh, tents all over the cities. I don't want that to turn into our city. But the mayor admitted yesterday that the reality for New York, for single male migrants who are coming here, is that some could end up out on the streets. So the city, of course, built this huge shelter we've been telling you out about at Floyd Bennett Field. Uh, families are going in there, like separated into rooms. And uh, they started moving some of those people in uh, yesterday. Governor Hochul, meanwhile, telling the mayor yesterday that the funding from the state is going to run out soon. This is just a warning that we cannot continue to be paying for unlimited hotel rooms for people, uh, that these congregate settings are the way to go. We're opening one here today on, at Floyd Bennett Field, and uh, we have to be thoughtful in this. And the other thing is, a member of City Hall, we had heard this, and now there's a confirmation, that they're offering migrants who arrive here one-way tickets to essentially anywhere they want to go, maybe back home to another state, and some of the migrants are taking City Hall up on that offer. I think one in four actually usually take it right they stay overnight and then they, they they leave the next morning yeah well they realize how expensive it is that it's to live in the big city 541 a cornell university student in custody facing a federal charge for making violent anti-semitic threats against fellow students in online posts they finally caught up with this dope who wrote some really savage stuff about jewish students on his campus it's 21 year old patrick day we should say allegedly a junior at the ivy league school arrested yesterday federal criminal complaint charging him with posting threats to kill jewish students on campus this criminal complaint says that day called for the deaths of jewish people and wrote a post that said he was going to shoot up 104 West. That's referring to the dining hall that caters to kosher students and is next to the campus Jewish Center. To see, you know, my own campus targeting specifically 104 West, this building, the building that I live in, sleep in, it was just unbelievable. In another post, Day threatened to stab and slit the throat of any Jewish men who he saw on Cornell's campus, sexually assault and throw Jewish women off a cliff, decapitate Jewish babies. How did this guy get in the corner? Now, Cornell University officials thanking law enforcement for identifying this guy. Uh, he'll go before a judge later this morning. Meanwhile, the FBI across the tri-state says it's stepping up its efforts after the Hamas attack on Israel and now the war in Gaza. New Jersey's FBI director James Dennehy says the U.S. threat environment is elevated as the war continues. Somewhere between a yellow and a red, maybe a, a 
deep orange at this time. The concern is the escalation of those types of threats and what they're and actually for violence. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there, James. What they're really worried about is the threat of a lone wolf who's radicalized online and who has access to weapons. Out to Brooklyn at 543, the Diocese of Brooklyn says a nearly 110-year-old statue of the Virgin Mary vandalized at a Queens Catholic church. This happened uh, Tuesday morning at St. Andrew Avellino on 158th Street in Flushing. The diocese is telling us the right hand of the statue was broken off and the left hand was also damaged in an apparent attempt to remove that as well. Just be a better human being. We have enough hate on this world. We have enough. Yeah, some of the parishioners hearing about it, the diocese says the parish surveillance cameras were damaged in a recent storm, so no video, unfortunately, of this incident is available. The initial reaction is just, like, anger. Yeah, police investigating, of course, asking anybody who may have seen this crime take place to give them a holler. The NYPD releasing new information about the man wanted for allegedly killing a father and son after an apparent dispute over noise in their Brooklyn apartment. We told you about this yesterday. They now know who they're looking for. It's 47-year-old Jason Pass. That's who they're trying to find. They say he's the one who had been complaining about noise from his upstairs neighbor and then confronted them after apparently a number of times over the years complaining about noise and then shot them. Uh, so he killed the father and son in front of a 10-year-old. Yesterday, you had anti-violence activists holding a rally outside that building. We need love. We need love. And not hate. And not hate. So Pass identified from surveillance video recovered by police that shows the entire shooting. His sister, she says she doesn't know where he is, but she says he felt threatened, and that's why he pulled out a gun. Brother went up there in peace. He's humble. Try to attack my brother with a In the meantime, he killed 47-year-old Bladami and his uh, 27-year-old son, Chinua. Uh, at one point, surveillance video appears to show um, the person who was killed holding a pair of scissors. And so now police sort of trying to piece this all together as they look for the gunman. We're here to simply let the residents and the community members of this Flatbush Gardens community know we stand in unison. The NYPD says the incident appears to be the result of years-long dispute over noise between the neighbors. So apparently upstairs, they had wooden floors and they heard him walking around all day. And downstairs, they say it sounded like a thunderstorm and they asked him to put carpet down. They got six 311 calls from this apartment over the last two years. Based on our investigation, we found that there were six previous 311 calls by the people in 3E, noise complaints. Of course, the awful part of that story, two people dead over a noise complaint. The search for that gunman continues this morning. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77W ABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Allin. Start on the hardwood here. The Knicks secured their second victory of the young season last night with a 109-91 road win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson led the team in scoring with their 19 respective points each, helping New York build a lead that they wouldn't squander after the first quarter. Emmanuel quickly added 18 points off the bench, and R.J. Barrett had 16 as the Knicks won the first half of a home-and-home home series. It was the teams' first meeting since New York eliminated Cleveland in five games in the first round of the 2023 playoffs. The Knicks will return home now as they'll complete the second leg of that back-to-back set against Cleveland tonight at MSG. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. there. The Nets 
will uh, be back in action as well, getting set to tip off at 7.30 p.m. Two tonight against the Heat in Miami. Yesterday, the trade deadline ended in uh, the NFL. No notable moves from our uh, local teams here, but uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, they basically uh, fire-sailed their uh, entire uh, head coach and uh, front office and the general manager. They fired coach Josh McDaniels and general manager Dave Ziegler. They did announce last night, and uh, they named linebackers coach Antonio Pierce as their interim head coach. The team also said that current assistant general manager Champ Kelly will serve as the interim GM. In announcing those promotions, the organization said it is committed to undergoing a, quote, a comprehensive search for a head coach and general manager, quote, once this season is complete. If I'm a Raiders fan, I certainly hope so. On the Diamond in Arizona, the World Series picked up last night, and it was the Texas Rangers pulling out the huge 11-7 win in Game 4. Marcus Simeon's two-run triple and three-run homer powered Texas to a 10-run lead by the third inning, a lead that they would not give up despite some pushback from the D-backs. Despite the absence of slugger Annalise Garcia and starter Max Scherzer from here on out, Texas takes a three-games-to-one series lead heading into Game 5 tonight when they'll try and finish the job in Arizona. First pitch there is set for 8.03 p.m. tonight as the series does remain in zona. On the ice, local action took the night off and will again tonight. The Rangers, Islanders, and Devils all back in action tomorrow night. No, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Let's start with a happy one. The Halloween parade down in the West Village going off without a hitch last night. Tina Turner died this year, and I thought it was best. It was awesome to honor her, so this is me honoring her. What's it like to be here? Are you excited? What are you feeling? Yeah, I'm excited because, like, I'm on the news. I love New York City, and if you like creativity, New York City culture, people, this is really the place to go to. I mean, there was hundreds of thousands downtown to watch this, uh, thousands more taking part in the parade. People from all over the world and come to New York for the Halloween parade. It's become the Halloween parade across the nation. Last night was the 50th anniversary of it. Slender Man. I love Mario. I've been a gamer since um, the age of five. I'm a nun from the movie Renan, and I never went to a dentist. I was walking along with my belly dancer, and out of nowhere, the big belly. Wolf showed up. Ah. Okay. Good parade. If you've never gone, it's a lot of fun. Gus starts around Spring Street, goes up 6th Avenue. Now you have next year to go. It's always uh, a lot of fun, and it was last night. Uh, just a few hours after that parade in Midtown last night, five people taken into custody. Don't have a whole lot of details about this, but a man shot in uh, what's a pretty busy part of Midtown Manhattan. The bullets flew. Around 10 o'clock, right outside Sardi's, 44th and 8th Avenue, police say a man was uh, shot in the shoulder. He was rushed to Bellevue Hospital, thankfully expected to survive. Police say they'll give us more details about the shooting as the morning wears on. And then the mess in the Middle East, it continues. Israel now taking responsibility for an airstrike that the Hamas-run Gaza Interior Ministry claims was on a refugee camp in Gaza yesterday. The Gaza Interior Ministry said six bombs were dropped on a residential area during the strike that Israeli officials said killed a Hamas leader. The IDF's statement did not acknowledge any civilian casualties that may have been caused by the strike. This comes as fighting between Israel and Hamas stretches past the three-week mark. Over 9,000 people have been killed in total on both sides of the conflict since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. On Monday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. I'm Mark Mayfield. Big congressional hearing down in D.C. over the Israel-Hamas war yesterday. Defense Secretary 
Lloyd Austin says the number of Americans killed in that October 7th attack in Israel by Hamas terrorists now up to 36. It was the deadliest terrorist attack in Israel's history. It was cruel, hateful and repugnant. And we don't know how many, but a handful of Americans are also believed to be among the more than 200 hostages taken prisoner by Hamas. That number of hostages, by the way, has gone up as well as they've taken the list of missing and assuming these are people who are still being held by Hamas in Gaza today. Uh, Austin appearing yesterday along Secretary of State Antony Blinken during this congressional hearing. The two were making a case for President Biden's $105 billion request for Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan in the southern border. Hamas terrorists murdered more than 1,400 Israelis and at least 36 Americans and took more than 200 hostages to help fund America's national security needs and to stand by our partners and to invest in our defense industrial base. And back here in New York, Israeli diplomats at the United Nations yesterday wearing Holocaust-era yellow stars. They say they'll wear those stars that say never again until the Security Council finally condemns Hamas for their actions back on October 7th. So I will remind you, from this day on, each time you look at me, you will remember what staying silent in the face of evil means. The U.S., or I should say the Israeli-led U.N. representative, also says he wants the U.N. to acknowledge that Hamas is holding hostages and that they should release them. We will wear this star until you condemn the atrocities of Hamas and demand the immediate release of our hostages. Today, after innocent Jewish babies were burned alive, this council is still silent. And that battle, of course, continues to play out across the U.S., well, really around the world. Protesters yesterday calling for a ceasefire in Gaza, interrupting a congressional hearing on Israel and Ukraine funding. Signed on that war in Iraq that you talked about. That was a terrible thing, and what we're doing right now in supporting Israel's genocide of Gaza is a terrible thing, too. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was speaking. He was interrupted several times during his opening statement before the Senate Appropriations Committee by these protesters yesterday. Yeah, all right. So they hauled those people out and then the Secretary of State got a chance to speak. All of us are determined to see it end. But all of us know the imperative of standing up with our allies and partners when their security, when their democracies are threatened. So many families across the tri-state affected by those attacks back on October 7th and the bombing in Gaza. New Jersey father mourning the loss of his nine relatives in Gaza. The Shaban family says they just found out their family members were killed in a bomb blast. So I look at the picture of my brother, like burn. Like I tell my son, I could feel his pain. Honestly, I could feel his pain. So four, four generations gone in one shot. Yeah, the oldest 72, the youngest just three months old killed in this bomb blast. We assume it's from Israeli jets. We don't know for sure. Uh, Tef Shaban's brother was spared, but he was badly burned in this attack, and he's in the hospital today in Gaza. In the hospital, there's no room for him, so they have him just in the hallway on these sort of cardboard boxes. Um, Just you know, there's no anesthesia, there's no nothing. So when they when they need to operate on you, they just go directly into you with with no pain relief at all. And so he's not actually fully aware even of what's happened yet. 
Um, he doesn't. He keeps asking for his wife. His wife was killed in that bomb blast. The uh, family says their relatives in Gaza are now starting to excavate the bodies from the rubble. Uh, the um, the son, Sammy Shaban, he's on the board of education in Franklin Township, and uh, he says he feels for Israelis, and of course, he feels for his family in Gaza. I think it's important for people to understand that what's happening to the Palestinians. October seventh was horrific, right? A horrific day. And our hearts bleed for all innocent citizens. But the, the, the amount of pain that's happened since that day, we've now had over 6,000 lives lost. We need to, to call for a ceasefire. Like, we really need this pain to stop. And that bombing continuing in Gaza today. Israelis say uh, they will not uh, go to a ceasefire, and they continue shelling parts of Gaza even as we speak.